Welcome back to another episode of You Are Just a Number podcast, a podcast regarding leadership, teamwork, process improvement, and the passion people display. Today's podcast is with John Ballman, who spent the last 20 years building the fire alarm company from two people to over 100 employees. In this podcast, John explains the one-of-a-kind fire suppression system his firm designed and implemented for the Eisenhower Tunnel in Colorado. John stated terrorism in the podcast, but it is more about how a fire in the tunnel can cripple commerce in the country, as I-70 is a major highway system. To learn more, visit our website, which is youarejustanumber.com. That's the letters youarejustanumber.com, all one word. I'm Jim Zellum, your host, so let's hear John's story. everyone. Today my guest is Don Ballman. Okay. John is the, uh, he had his own business uh, called FAS, FAS Systems Group LLC. And he did a big project uh, for pretty much the uh, state of Colorado. And we're going to probably be talking about that and talking about some of the things he did with his team. So welcome aboard, John. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Very good. Very good. Hey John, so let's let's start off from the beginning in here. What made you decide to start your own business? Well, I was an electrician by trade. Uh, I also attended University of Colorado and University of Maryland for electrical engineering, computer science. And uh, as a younger man, I noticed that a lot of people were afraid, or electricians were afraid, to approach. Uh, the technology as it was developing. Mm -hmm. And those technologies were in fire alarm and security. And, you know, we didn't have the internet back then, but um, we had books. So I was able to read the books and discovered that this kind of work was A, a lot easier on your body, and B, not that hard, really, just different. And uh, I was I worked a lot of years doing fire alarm systems and uh, met an individual that I actually worked for at an electrical division. And we were supposed to start a fire alarm division for this electrical shop. And after a year and a half, they decided to can it. And he just approached me and said, hey, let's, uh, you're good at what you do. I'm good at what I do. Let's start a business. So we did. Okay. Okay. So and how long were you in business? Uh, we started our business in 2002, had a partnership change in 2004, and I bought out that partner in 2016. Uh, I should say my wife and I bought out our partner in 2016 and then uh, sold the business in August of 2019. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So... What happened is you, what really changed your, I guess, your, your, your lifestyle and everything like that is a, a big project you did. Well, we've actually done quite a few big projects, but I had a very unique project was the Johnson Memorial fire suppression system okay. and the tunnel, which is the tunnel that goes through the continental divide for I-70 was considered a, uh, a high risk 
project for terrorism. So they wanted to make sure that that tunnel couldn't be harmed as, as well as they had a problem. It's 1.6 miles long and having a fire in it creates an issue for the firemen that are trying to put out the fire. Um, the biggest problem is the heat that's generated by a large fire. So what our project was, was primarily to provide fire suppression uh, that would reduce the fire from a 35 megawatt down to 20 so that they can get the fire trucks in and get close enough to use um, their fire truck to put out the actual flames. Okay, so so is now, and again, if, I know things can be proprietary. Um, when you said I-70 and everything like that, did I, I know you live in, Col you live in Colorado. Where, where is this tunnel? Uh, um, so it's on the Continental Divide on Interstate I-70, and it connects pretty much the eastern Colorado to western Colorado. Okay, okay. All right, excellent, excellent. So um, is your system unique in, in itself there that, uh, that you did for this project? So this was an existing tunnel. Right. As newer tun tunnels are built, they put suppression systems in them. But this being an existing tunnel proposed a problem, and it's the first in the world of a tunnel that was retrofitted with a suppression system. And this particular project was a complete design-build process, which was unique into itself. So Colorado Department of Transportation, which is, we go by CDOT, Right. which is the Colorado entity, they published a design build criteria of basically knocking down a fire from 35 megawatts down to 20 megawatts. And they basically said, we have one tank of 150,000 gallons of water and you tell us how to do it. So four teams started in the project and um, different approaches were met. It was a unique project in the fact that because of the design build, we had RFIs, which is a request for information in the construction world. Right. If you wrote an RFI, that got distributed to the other three parties. If you wrote a proof of concept, that was used only to determine if your idea met their specifications and was not distributed. So everything was designed built they basically just said you're going to complete complete this system and it has to do this and this is what we have available for you to do it they didn't specify if you used water they didn't specify if you used foam they didn't specify any criteria on what you were going to do you just had to take this intense heat and put it under control so we had a multifaceted team. We had a general contractor that was Bernard Construction. They were used, you know, they built bridges and did a lot of groundwork. Um, remember, this is the top of the Rocky Mountains, so it's all mountain. Uh, we had Rondinelli Life Safety and BCR Engineering to do the sprinkler calculations and all of the sprinkler design. We had Western States who actually put the sprinklers in. And then we at FAS Systems Group controlled the entire system via our fire alarm 
and a very special product called a fiber optic linear heat detector. So the fiber optic linear heat detector is unique in the fact that it detects fire utilizing a fiber optic cable, or it actually detects heat using a fiber optic cable over the entire length of the tunnel. Oh, the and, entire length of the tunnel? Okay. Yes. Oh, wow. So uh, in this case, we have a cable that looks like a bicycle brake cable. It's a stainless steel exterior with two pieces of fiber that run the entire length unbroken through each tunnel. And one of the unique situations that we faced was that they washed the tunnel with what I would call an inverted car washer. When you go and you have that big blue thing that spins that washes your car, they have one on a sweeper that sprays water and uses that big brush to actually sweep the top of the tunnel. Uh-huh. And that keeps the soot and the carbon and all the hydrocarbons from the vehicles and the diesel fumes from sticking to the ceiling. So we had to come up with a way to install this cable so that it wouldn't get entangled into the, the car washer or the inverted car wash. And I came up with an aluminum type tray with slots that allowed the heat to hit the cable, but protected the cable from the car wash. Ah, okay. So if you happen to ever be in Colorado and drive through the tunnel, you can see a little V that comes down, runs right down the center of the tunnel, and that's where the fiber optic cable is sitting in. Ah, very good. Very good. So, I mean, I I, I know you did this for anti-terrorism, okay, as you said in the beginning, but I got a question for you, okay? And, you know, so since, you know, and I know folks that he also has, I will give you the link in in the um, when we give the description in the bio of John. I'll give you the link where you can review the project that John sent me. But so, um, but let me ask you a question. So, since it can't be, since it's for terrorism, so I have to assume that it, you you just said where it is. You know, if you drive through it and everything like that, I have to assume it can't be disabled, right? Um. The actual equipment is in a location that I can't disclose, the actual head end. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I got that. I got that. And the cable is primarily a receptor. It is, it's going down the length of the tunnel. It's um, overlaid with the sprinkler system. There's a hundred deluge valves that control the water. Um, so one of the problems we had when you think of a tunnel is let's say a truck catches on fire, right? It might catch on fire when it enters the tunnel. And that might be where it creates the heat that the system says, Hey, I've got this event in the beginning of the tunnel, but where do you want the water? You want the water where the truck stops. Right. Where is that? Well, if the truck's doing 55 miles an hour, it could be right smack in the middle of the tunnel. So we had to have a way to, find where the signature was but also control where we actually dropped the water because we wanted to put the water on the fire not where the fire was originally seen um, so the system also has some cameras that on a very low temperature swings the cameras to where the event occurs 
Um, this tunnel is manned 24-7 by operators and personnel. They have on-site fire department just to maintain the tunnel. Yeah. So the system is pretty complex okay. in itself. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure, because I, I know, you know, since that's the reason why they did it, I, I'm, you know, I just wanted to say, so nobody can actually disable that system. Um, yes, the systems, the system itself is under lock and key. You're not, you're not going to be able to get to it. And so, and um, how long did it take you guys to do this system? Uh, it was about a year, all said and done. Okay. Uh, you know, the bid process not included. We also did a mock-up at uh, Boulder Reservoir, which is a, a city uh, reservoir here in Colorado, whereas they put six shipping containers together, two of them lengthwise, three of them stacked, put TJIs across them, put, uh, you know, cement board as a ceiling to simulate the tunnel. So it's the same exact width as the tunnel and the same height as the tunnel. And we put the sprinkler system pipe configuration. There's three different configurations in there depending on which tunnel and which part of the tunnel, we have some sidewalls, which are at the entrance and the exit. So we had three different sprinkler systems. And then we installed our fiber to control the sprinkler system. And they had all kinds of data equipment to gather temperature readings, infrared readings to watch how this fire goes. And they use a chemical compound that I believe is a uh, paint thinner that has a unique property that each gallon gives off like 100,000 BTUs. So by regulating how many gallons you light on fire, you can calculate the exact heat signature that you're creating. Ah. Because we had to prove that we could take X number 35 megawatts and reduce it below 20 megawatts and a megawatt is a unit of heat so we had to one light this fluid on fire then two uh sense the heat signature three turn on the system four meet all the specific requirements of the contract to make sure it worked. It was also just to see if it worked because it's never been done <laughs> in a retrofit before. Okay. So so you you have, this is a very proprietary unique system that's put together. It's complete custom design, the controls, the, um, I mean, when you think about it, you have a tunnel that's at approximately 1200 feet in altitude. It gets 26 feet of snow, it's cold, it's wet, it's damp, and you have to come up with a way to keep the sprinkler system from freezing. Um, so the, and, and we were a team, we were contractors, but we were also a team of people. And we, I didn't, but uh, I believe BCR and Ronda Nelly Life Safety came up with the concept is we're gonna heat the water. So the water that comes down is heated. It gets circulated through the sprinkler system. The sprinkler system is insulated because this is all up in top above the tunnel itself that you drive in. There's, there's shafts where the system is located. 
And then um, one unique part that we needed was a resettable deluge valve because most deluge valves, when you set them off, they just let the water flow and you have to mechanically reset them. Well, we needed one that we can control electronically for the circumstances that I stated of where is the fire? Where, you know, we may have the heat signature occur at the beginning of the tunnel, but the, the truck might be 5,000 feet in or whatever, right. or 500 right. feet in. So we had to be able to turn it on and off so that if we guessed wrong, we could turn off or if it moves again or whatever the circumstances are. So uh, we had to come up with a 24 volt deluge valve that we were able to control through our fire alarm system. Um, so the water comes in, goes through a boiler system, gets circulated through the top so that it doesn't freeze. But when an event occurs, we have to increase the amount of flow that's available. So there's some huge valves that we took the boiler system out of the water incoming system and then open the big valve to let the water flow. Um, and then the fiber optic linear heat detector, which I, I've been doing fire alarm for 15 or 30 years at this point in time, and I never heard of it. And we found a company called Lios who was able to uh, meet the needs. It's a redundant system, meaning there's more than one piece of head end equipment that if one were to fail, the system still stays up. Um, so there was a lot of safety gaps and it was a fun system to develop because nobody else ever thought of doing it. We just had to come up with a way to do it. And uh, kind of a funny story, we were, you know, they, they put this, these containers together in Boulder to do the mock-up. And well, around one of the ends, I had a trailer where we had all our, our equipment that did the controls and controlled the valves and um, measured the heat signature, plus other equipment that was there for the engineers. And in the afternoon, the wind shifted and we're sitting in our trailer and we got flames coming around the end of the tunnel into our little trailer. Oh. <laughs> so we didn't uh, really count on that, yeah. but yeah. It, um, and it's kind of funny because, you know, they moved this big tray of fluid into the tunnel and light it on fire. And this flame is rising all the way to the top and spreading. And everyone's going, it's not working, it's not working. And they're calling us on the radio and we're just watching the heat signature because we can see it live. And it's like, it's only 95 degrees. It's only 98 degrees. And it was set to go off at 135. So it was a considerable amount of flames to create the heat to, to set it off. And once we hit that mark, we announced we hit 135 degrees. We popped the valve, the water hit the fire, and uh, the sprinkler design was sufficient to knock that fire down the way it needed. All the data proved that it was, uh, you know, physically doing what it was supposed to, and we were given the notice to proceed in the actual tunnel. So everything went off with a hitch, with the exception of the flames entering our, <laughs> our little command trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. D didn't plan for that one. No. 
So, so let me ask you. So, um, does it still require like uh, uh, testing and regular PM and stuff like that? Uh, it does. So, Systems Group has been under contract to test it every year um, to make sure that it still meets the requirements of the day we installed it. Um, just another side note, uh, September 5th, 2019, a few days before we were supposed to actually test it, a semi truck full of cardboard uh, caught on fire and started creating a pretty good fire in the tunnel. And um, everything worked as designed. It, it, it uh, knocked the flames down and the fire department was able to extinguish it. So to my knowledge, we've had at least four, possibly five live tests of the system since we installed it and it's performed as it should. Um, always something that'll keep you up at night thinking about it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So that's good. So when you were doing this, okay, so now you did that and, um, so how many people were working for you while you were doing this thing here, John? Uh, the actual project itself? Yeah. Um, I only, you know, we were, we also had an electrical contractor that did the install okay. called Sturgeon Electric. So they ran the power, they ran the conduits, they ran the cable. We assisted with them in the design on how to run you know, a mile and a half of cable overnight because shutting down the tunnels is a big deal. You would have to literally shut down one side. So there's two tunnels in parallel. Right. And they would shut down one tunnel and then traffic would go opposed in each direction in the open tunnel. And, you know, it was coordinating with CDOT and all that kind of stuff. So outages were very uh, difficult to obtain, very expensive to do impacted the public so you really had to have all your p's and q's ready to go so by the designing the track the way we did they were able to do that fiber optic uh in one night to get it hung and then secure the other side of the track to make it you know secure for good so there was a lot of things going on but i had probably four people at the actual project, but I also had engineers working on it at the office. I had programmers working on it at the office. Um, but um, uh, so, how did you coordinate all this teamwork? I mean, that um, has, that that had to take a significant amount of teamwork because I mean, there's a lot of people talking about you got the engineers and then you got this group and this group, and they're all like individual knowledge silos but somebody has to coordinate all those silos to work on the right project and, and the timing is that not true uh yes so as i said it was a design build so we knew what we were going to do by the time we got to the tunnel we had western states was physically installing the sprinkler system the boilers and all that good stuff and sturgeon electric was physically installing the system that we provided what we did at the office is built the boxes that are a specially designed box. They were insulated and we put all of our equipment in the box, pre-wired it, uh, all of our equipment. We programmed it and provided it in a big box to Sturgeon Electric. 
Sturgeon Electric then took the big box, ran all the conduits that were needed to it, the power that was required to it, and landed the field terminations in it. So they had 20 some people working on the electrical side of things. Um, plus they put in generators and other stuff while they were there. So the coordination was primarily my function. Um, it was a lot my design. And I worked with the guys at the offices where we built these control boxes, kind of pre-manufactured them. And then a gentleman by the name of Arden Everhart uh, was there with me at night up in the tunnels um, where we checked all the wiring, got the networks going and tested the system. And then we would have two to three people to assist testing the system. Um, so if you think about a tunnel, it's a long linear road. Right. It's got about 105 zones of sprinkler in it. And every zone's about 100 feet, give or take. And the fiber is designed. So you had sprinkler heads that came down and are equally spaced in a zone. And then you had an end of the zone. Then you had more sprinkler heads, end of the zone. More sprinkler heads, the end of the zone. And we had to be very, very diligent in creating the beginning of a zone and the end of a zone so that when the heat signature occurred, we were turning on the correct sprinkler pipes associated with that zone. Okay. And the way we had to test that is we actually took, we call them a barn burner or a weed burner, propane tank and you know a stem with a big flame on the end of it. And we would heat the actual end of a zone and make sure that it correlated with the correct sprinkler zone and then made sure that the end of the zone correlated with the sprinkler zone by using these heat signatures. And the fiber optic cable shows exactly, literally within a foot of where that heat signature was. You would see a big spike. So we made sure that the, the fiber cable was overlaying with the sprinkler zone. And then I had a good natured gentleman that worked for me that put on a raincoat and <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, go get wet. and we did it live and you know set each zone off twice to make sure it happened and uh he was sitting in a 500 gallon a minute deluge uh got pretty wet and we drove the truck out of there to try to keep them as dry as we could and did it 200 times <laughs> oh, wow sounds like though you had a good team of people yeah i did my company, um, you know, it, it was built over 18 years and along the way we acquired some of the best people in the industry. It's one thing that I was very proud of was all the people that worked with me. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, I just want to say there, because uh, um, I want to say that, uh, you know, you, you, you said you're 18 years in the industry, but how, how did you build this team of great people? Just out of curiosity. Well... Uh, building a business is not for the weary. Uh, you start off with, uh, it was my wife and I and a partner and his wife. And then over time, we, we changed partners. But basically, uh, it was the wife and I and one person plus our partner and his wife. And you start with 
one employee and you're very careful about picking your next employee and then very careful about picking your next employee and you try to provide financial incentives so that people want to work with you you yep. also try to provide um, a good work environment a team environment um, you look for people that are more interested in building a company through their efforts and you reward them and over the years if you create a company that has a good reputation of being a good place to work people start good people start coming to you so what I would say, the question of how do you get good people is you build a good company and they will come. Okay. That's excellent. Excellent. So, um, and then I, I just want the listeners to know that that, that project gave you enough to uh, retire, right? Oh, I don't think it was that project. It was 18 years of projects. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And. But you built a very successful business that you have now sold, right? Yes, uh, I started with uh, basically f five people in the very beginning of the second partnership. And when I sold the business, we had over 105 employees. Ah, okay, okay. So in, to our listeners in here, I mean, it, your, your story about this tunnel and what you did was fabulous and everything like that. But I just, is there anything you'd like to add to our listeners about, you know, um, you know, I mean, you're an example of how passion, you know, your passion built a great business, a great company, great leadership and everything and teamwork. And it gave you enough to be successful and enough to sell a business that, you know, you're, you're successful. So is there any words of wisdom or advice you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, like I said, it's not for the weary. Uh, I think a lot of people have the misnomer that as a business owner, you just sit in your office and rake in the money. Right. But what they don't realize is that in order to get a loan to make sure that payroll clears, that everything you own is on the line each and every day. And that if a project goes south, you can lose your house. So it, it is difficult to financially build the business. Um, and then every year on December 31st, you have this partner called Uncle Sam that wants half of everything that you make. Yeah. And quite honestly, I was in construction. So we were more of a bank than a firearm company because when you're in construction, you basically, you get a job, you put people on the job, you make your payroll every week, you buy your materials, you pay that bill every month, and then you bill, in our case, the electrical contractor, who then sits on your money for 60 days, and the GC sits on your money for 30 days. So 90 days later, you're receiving a check for the work that you did 120 days ago, because you got a bill at the end of the month, and you're continuously trying to build assets to keep the business to go and grow takes money to grow. And um, I guess that's the most disappointing part is that at the end of the year, now you got to borrow more money, pay your taxes to try to make the company grow. And it got to the point, quite honestly, where uh, the bank wants to have all these assets as collateral for the loans that you need. And there gets to be a point where 
every year I was borrowing a half a million dollars more just to pay taxes and bonuses at the end of the year. And then, you know, you work and the debt was getting up. And one of the reasons that I sold is the company that I sold to was, you know, they were supposed to take away that pain, that financial pain, so that you could continue to build the business and hire more employees and get more trucks and just make the bigger, the business bigger without being an independent. Okay. All right. Well, John, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, having, being on the podcast and sharing your, uh, your knowledge. I appreciate it. Not a problem, Jim. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed our podcast with John. As you heard, he built a very successful company with a winning team. To find out more on this project, just Google Eisenhower Tunnel Suppression System. There you will find YouTube videos and a lot of other data on the project. As you know, I am always looking for unique and interesting stories to share with our listeners. So if you have an interesting idea or story you would like to talk about, just contact me at youarejustanumber.com. Until next time, have a great day.